0: you have found authentic business adventures the business program
1: that brings you the struggle stories and triumphs and successes of business owners across the land we're locally underwritten by the bank of sun prairie downloadable audio episodes can be found on the podcast link at drawincustomers.com today we are welcoming slash preparing to learn from dan Guerra, the ceo of sdm central so dan how are things going today Hey, every day
2: is a great day.
1: Every, that's the every best. day is a great day. Every, you know, that's the that's the mindset I hear of a lot of entrepreneurs are just like, it's awesome. Everything's great.
2: So you always in life. That. You always get that when you talk to a re- somebody who's a real estate agent. You ask them, how's the market? Best market ever. <laughs> you couldn't ask for a better like, market. I'm like, are we did we wake up in the same space? No. <laughs> But you know, two thousand eight, like, everything's on fire. It's great. I remember when to like networking events and happy hours. You know, like, I do. how's uh, how's real estate? Best market ever. Yeah, mortgage guy, man, flying off the shelf. Can't keep up with the underwriting. <laughs> I'm like, I just heard about a financial crisis, man. Yeah, <laughs> isn't the world on fire? Yeah, In you know, so to your point, yes, I think I think um, entrepreneurs are default optimistic people. You know, they have to be. Know, if you weren't, it'd be really hard to get out of bed after getting, you know, life pummeled out of you the day before because you had a series of like failures. And so, yeah, or you'd yeah. have
1: murdered employees.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I would never say that, you know, but oh, uh, well. <laughs> I think, you know, I think that you bring up a really important thing, uh, which is resilience. Mm. And um, I think I think that's something that you and I share as entrepreneurs is being generally resilient people where you know, we we get a lot of no's and we get more yos, more no's than we do yeses. you know, except our yeses when we get there are really, really big. And it allows us to move the agenda forward. And not just for us, but to your point, like the people that work with us, our employers, our contractors, our customers, you know, and so those yeses are huge yeses. You know, one of the things that super inspires me is like, there was just like this Michael Jordan, like, uh quote on numbers and i'm going to screw it up so i'm going to try the numbers but you know they say for all his awesome shots you know he had nine thousand misses and so if he hadn't had all those misses he wouldn't have had all the successes and i think that just kind of inspires us as entrepreneurs like we got to get in the game we can't be afraid of the no and the yeses that we have are going to be hugely beneficial not just for us but the people that are around us
1: yeah i mean babe ruth i think had the most strikeouts of any player for a long time babe who we don't Babe Ruth, the baseball guy. But we don't talk about that, right? We talk about home runs and hot dogs. It's all good. So interesting thing. I guess I should let the crowd know that I've known you for a long time. I don't know. Years, right? Years. Yes. So I'm trying to think. When I knew you, you had an office downtown Madison. And I remember visiting you at that office across the street. People were protesting something.
0: And I remember
1: I asked you. What are they protesting? And you're like, "Oh, every Thursday they protest about something." <laughs> and yeah. it was funny cuz I didn't I'm like, "Are you, seriously?" And you're totally serious. <laughs> every week something's wrong. We love it when
2: people exercise democracy.
1: Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I, it, it's weird. I mean, I get it. Fantastic going protest. Wait, that over. was a long time ago. I remember that. It was just a weird, yeah, we were having a meeting. It was on the corner right there. And I'm just like, this,
2: this crowd's oh, kind of oh, noisy. Veterans building.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so it was one of those, like, every
2: week? Really? Like,
1: at one point, couldn't you just be like, you know what? We're good.
2: Well, you know, after they had the um, the riots, like in 2011, they, you would, they'd protest on Thursday and they'd, they'd sing on Fridays. Oh. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I mean, it was great to come together. It's hard to get work done, but nice. I imagine. know. Yeah. It's one of those just like, do, do any of you need
1: a job? We we could hire a couple of you. I mean, but on the flip side, if they're protesting something that I want to be protested, then have at her, man.
2: Hey, you know, I think it's like put your time into everywhere you find it. And if you find some happiness, do it, do it. Sure. Keep in mind, I'm trying to make happiness and other stuff for other people. So just, yeah. know, you know,
1: yeah, within the legal and, Ethical confines of choices. Hey, it
2: turns out cannabis is almost legal now. I th- you know, didn't we have something that we voted for a little while ago that we're just like, that- yeah, make this happen? I think that was an advisory referendum. All right. So all right. But that was the one that I think I always thought was kind of fun. It was like, everybody comes out for cannabis legalization.
1: <laughs> all right. It's all good. So let's uh let's go back way back back in the protesting people outside your window for something. Not you.
2: They were not protesting uh, us.
1: No, <laughs> I think it was like puppy should have more fur or something along those lines. Some or puppy should shed less, maybe. Wasn't I might tough. attend that one. Anyways, um, you had Argus Ventures, if I recall correctly. Yep. Uh, so let's go down the road. When did you first start your first? Uh, What you would consider to be your first real small business or real business?
2: Maybe it was big. I started my first business um, actually before Argus in 2001. All right. Before I graduated high school. Oh, wow. A real one? We're not talking a paper route or anything. This is a real one. This is a real one. All right. I did it with two other friends of mine in high school because we were going to be big computer service and repair moguls at the time. And uh, in 2001,
1: that was a big deal.
2: Yeah, yeah. Wow. You know what? You just made me realize I'm approaching 22 years of doing this.
1: <laughs> I've
2: been still. Doing... You're here. Yeah. Still oh you're here. Gosh. And I'm still here. Thank. Thank you. Um. And actually, on a serious note, like thanks to all the people that I've had to work with over the last 20 years. Uh I, Um. But you know, I did. Con- I did consulting before I graduated high school. I never really had a a real job. And we never. Got- no. Never flipped burgers or whatever, served a beer? I don't know, whatever. Not qualified to, to serve burgers or flip beer, you know.
1: All right, well, that's okay. I didn't get a job at Arby's when I applied for it a way long time ago, and that kind of broke think... my heart a little bit. <laughs> like, that's where I'm at in my life. I'm so, sad that I didn't get hired at Arby's.
2: Ironically, at some point, I must have worked for the school district. I think I might have been doing some technology consulting. So my brother now works for the school district. and he. Calls, All right. He goes, when did you work for the school district? And I'm like, I have no idea. He goes, you know, you're in here, right? I'm like, you've got money in the in the ETF. I'm like, I have no un- godly idea what you're talking about. He's like, yeah, you were employed. I'm like, that would have I mean, maybe that was the summer after I graduated or before I graduated or something. You got pension checks headed your way and you didn't I even guess? know. you know, I, he goes, but he goes, and I goes, I, he goes, I know it was a long time ago because your number is really low in the system. I like, well, huh? I have been graduated for 20 years. So <laughs> um, but no. So, I mean, anyways, you
1: got these partners. And are you fixing computers or is it more
2: server stuff, or what are you doing? We're fixing computers. So, this is so this is what happens. So it comes down to graduation. Dan decides that he's gonna go to the technical school. His mom and dad are really pissed at him because he's not going to the University of Wisconsin-Madison. And uh, you know, he turned down a really nice ride to go there. Maybe be one of my lesser than great moments in life and bad decision-making. Who knows? <laughs> life is all about choices. Life is all about choices. And so I decided to go to MIT, uh, Madison Area Technical College at the time. Decided we're going to do this. We have a lot of fun that summer. We don't do a whole lot of business. Um, we are too busy having fun post-graduation. You know, big, right. big envelopes of money and you've got money and <laughs> bad decisions. So we did that. We got to the end of the summer, though, and I was starting to get itchy. Like I wanted to really get back into doing something have a conversation with my two amigos and uh and uh said hey if you guys aren't ready to move forward and make this business work i'm gonna i want to buy you out so
1: at that time uh let me just ask you a few questions here to get some foundation here yeah your two partners are they just buddies of yours or do they we- actually know how to turn a screw on a
2: computer one of them knows how to turn a screw and be a programmer okay the other one um uh, we just like hanging out together and Make all right. A- He's the guy that orders pizza. He's the guy that orders
1: pizza. <laughs> That's your skill set. All right. And <laughs> the computers that you're fixing you're trying to fix, are they residential or is this more commercial stuff?
2: Predominantly more residential. So, like, okay. I didn't have a, this, any idea of like commercial business and doing all this stuff.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And, uh but you know, so I get to the end of the summer and you know, you got to get serious about life. And, um, and so I have this conversation. with My amigos, I mean, it sounded good before we graduated. And then by the time we had to get practical and we, were, we all wanted money, it's like, hmm, this might not work out. And so I ended up buying them out like in August of 2001. And, and are so, you buying, what are you buying? A tool bag? Like, what is the value well, of the business? We all came to the table with 600 bucks. All right. So basically, me returning the money that we'd spent, you know. Gotcha. All right. Uh, and so we did that. And uh, so I got, you know, we took them out and then I ended up, so my dad was, my dad was very, very upset with me. And so, and then I asked, that you bought them out or that you headed to the tech college? Uh, I mean, the list is pretty long, okay. but <laughs> I mean, sense. it was mad that you're going to the tech college, mad that you turned down this experience to go to the university. It was mad that, you know, I'm like, okay. You know, so we were not like on great speaking terms. All well, right. I was like, hey dad, I need two grand to get my business started. Will you float me two grand? And so my dad, you know, being the stand-up guy that he is, borrows me two thousand dollars or really gave me two thousand dollars. If it wasn't for my dad to get started, I wouldn't have had it. All right. I had a couple contacts people that knew that I was starting a business. And so I sublet um part of a law office downtown Madison across from Wandos, the bar, you know, and so we and started like a new install base of customers and Um, I ordered my first sign. And so my first sign was ready to get picked up on September 11, 2001. Oh, well, that's just bad planning on your part. I mean, so this was so amazing about this. Like, and, you know, like I didn't have an appreciation of where we were as a country or what was going on. Nobody did. Yeah, I remember mean, I remember just walking out of school. So I MATC is week three. My classes get canceled because it's like my teachers like nobody can concentrate today. Everybody go home. Mm-hmm. We all go home, and I'm like, great, I can go pick up my assignment. That was the first thought that occurred to me. Great, I can go pick up my assignment. Yeah, like the show's got to go on, right? And that's kind, of, that's kind of where I was, and um, and you know, and so you know, starting off in a recession might not have been the best thing. But it was a learning lesson. And, you know, and so being in that environment changed it. Going to work every day changed it. Getting all the parking tickets in downtown Madison changed it. And, so, <laughs> and it was just, it was a different way to start, you know, thinking about the world. And, um, and so that's really my introduction to not doing residential computer service and repair, but doing mm-hmm. more commercial pieces and then learning how that, you know. And so one of the ideas I never had this thought about, right? So the mindset, the world's changing. We're becoming more defensive. People don't want to spend money we decided that we're going to change our customer base from residential to doing more commercial service work. We're starting to get more projects here. Um, and then I didn't have, have any appreciation for like, Hey, people like to buy stuff on terms. They don't pay you right away for it. Oh, sure. And so this idea of like working capital was like totally like foreign to me. And so, um, and so, you know, I found myself in some more working capital crunches and, you know, my dad was a super solid guy at the time again, and I needed to I get. I got, um, I think my first line of credit from like Park Bank for like ten grand or something like that, or five grand, and uh, you know, and that kind of bailed us out the first time of dealing with this. And I'm like, huh, I know. And so I, I had all these like school of hard lessons, and uh, I was a Boy Scout, and so one of the I, all the people that I was you know in scouting with, I told that I was doing this new computer service and repair business. A couple of them owned businesses and they did business with us. And that's kind of really how I I built my first company was through word of mouth and a lot of the stuff that I'd done. And I did a lot of stuff in the Latino community at the time. And um, the Latino community was incredibly supportive of of my business. And so we did a lot of computer service and repair. And we did a lot of stuff for the YWCA here in Madison. And in fact, we did so much work for them is that we were awarded the, the Volunteer of the Year Award in 2004. Oh, wow. Congrats. So I mean, like, and so, and so, you know, um, so the success that I have today, and the initial success that we had in the computer service and repair business, is because so many stakeholders in town here, took an interest in helping me become a, the person I am today. And I am like eternally thankful for that. Hmm. Um, yeah,
1: there's so, no one self made, right? You always have an army behind you. Yes, or in and, front of you.
2: I mean, I just, yeah. I mean, you know what? You you cannot do it yourself, and I did not do it myself, and I would never say that I did. Mm-hmm. Um, there were, I just, like, there, I have. There's so many stakeholders that have helped me get get launched that you can't say thank you to enough people. Mm-hmm. Um, you <coughs> know, no, I will. I will tell you, like we did the computer service and repair thing, and I, I got, candidly, after doing that for probably three, four years, I'm like, you know what? I'm done with computer service and repair. Everybody wants to call you on the weekend for you know a free. How do I install something? Can you change my modem for free? I have a new appreciation for mechanics. Let me put it that way.
1: So it's so funny because so I met you when I had Doc Jam's Printer Repair. Yeah, and I remember we started adding um, uh, drop-off printer repair for whatever machines people had, printer-wise, copier-wise, all that stuff from their home, which a lot of that was inkjet stuff, and we started to having. To charge people a nut When they would first drop it off Because we'd look at it And tell them, hey, you need this $50 part or whatever And they're like, ah, just keep it, right? Like they're doing us a favor Keep my trash And (laughs) I won't charge anything for this broken printer And so then we had to start charging people And I remember we had, I don't know It was $29 or something like that As the fee for us to look at it And then if they chose to repair it beyond that It was quoted and all this kind of stuff and I remember this person complaining about $29. And I just kept thinking, like, how much would it have to be for you not to complain? <laughs> and I couldn't come up with a number that was anything other than
2: zero. Yeah.
1: Right? Because apparently we work for free, right? People don't.
2: Well, you know, I mean, I think there's a reality, right? And if you're a general consumer, you don't really think about the guy on the other side of it. You know, sometimes you do, and that's where you choose to take your dollars and do business. You know, but you know, I think most people think that small business owners, we make so much money. Yeah, got seven yards yachts parked out back, right? You know, the helicopters reality, on every one. You know, the reality is that the most small business owners will never have a liquidity event. They will never have an opportunity to cash out or have their, their life's work appreciated. Um, they're gonna work for less than what they could have likely made in the private sector they are going to take more risk and responsibility over the course of their career for capital in play they're going to mortgage their house for their business they're going to hire employees those employees are going to come in and ask for more which is totally fine you're going to take home the stress on the day-to-day you know and and um and yet we're going to continue to show up and we're going to do it tomorrow because you know gosh it, we like it and we love it and you know there is not one small business owner that does not spend more time supporting their community through like nonprofit association and board, chambers of commerce, employing people. And you know what? This is where you hear the stories of like small businesses is that people get sick or they have some kind of chronic illness, and they don't throw them off the payroll. They continue to pay them. Mm. They do the right thing. Mm-hmm. And those are the stories that are seldom heard. And so we forget like that's how tough it is to be a small business owner. You know so. I have this conversation with my dad all the time, you know, he goes, I don't understand why that's so expensive. I'm like, well, clearly you don't have to pay anybody <laughs> you know? or like, you know, my, my time has value in it, you know? And so am I generous with my time? Yes. To the, to the folks in my circle, will I always give time to them? I want to try to be the best guy that I am, but you know, the reality is like, there's, you know, 25, 30 people that depend on what's going on here. Plus my customers, customers for some of the mission critical pieces that we do, you know, you got to stay focused and you got to prioritize, you got to deliver. And sometimes that means I don't get to go have the fun that you get to go have. You mm-hmm. know? We don't think about that stuff. I mean, you know what? you can't put dollars on what makes all this stuff work for everybody. It'd be difficult. I mean, It'd be very I mean, difficult. Yeah. I mean. Well, no, I mean just think about it. the reason that you put that 29 bucks on there is you didn't want to get stiffed. But number two, you're trying to screen out the people who aren't serious about dealing with the problem. Yeah,
1: we're putting yeah. a
2: very low barrier to entry. And i so you're wh- not
1: interested in spending 29 bucks on your machine. We're not interested in looking at
2: it. Yeah, and, and you know, today I was really uncomfortable with that early on. And today I'm significantly more comfortable putting barriers of entry in because like I'm willing to give you a lot and I, I believe in the give get. I don't believe in one-sided relationships.
1: Agree. You know, it's interesting you say that because we, like, I have the call answering service, right? Communication business, just like every business. I mean, deep down inside is a communication business. And there are some clients where you're just like, all we need you to do is respond to this email and tell us yes or no on this one thing that we had a caller ask about. It'll take you five seconds. And we can't get that response. We're like, we feel like if you just, uh, would treat us with a little bit more respect, everyone would be happier. Your clients would be happier, you would be happier, we would certainly be happier. Yeah. And it would be win-win-win-win-win all the way around, but instead you ignore the email or it gets lost in your thousands or whatever.
2: It's just like Argh. it's it's tough. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's tough. I mean, it's tough. And you know what? There are not perfect answers to any of this stuff. No, not necessarily. Not I mean, all of it anyways. Obviously, in my world, there's perfect answers. Just do it. <laughs>
1: I have them all,
2: right? No. Just I mean, ask. But, yeah, right. But no, I mean, like, you know, and like I said, I love I building organizations. I love doing this. I love hitting my head against the wall in frustration. <laughs> so, Feels yeah. so good when you stop, right? Well, you know, I mean, this is what was fun. Like, I'll give you an example. Like, this is a little bit of a tangent because I know we we're going chronologically. But uh, so after I did the, after I did the. The service and repair business, I launched a website development company. All right. Now, what year ballpark? Just roughly. Well, this is probably 0506. Yeah, I say 04-05, probably 05-06, Yeah.
1: Okay. So you're talking essentially roughly a decade after the internet really got going. Yeah.
2: Yes. So, so
1: still relatively youthful. AOL was probably still a household name.
2: Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yes, Yahoo
1: is still the place to go to find what you're looking for.
2: I think I still have a Hotmail address someplace.
1: And I do as well. And uh, that's how you know someone's a certain age, right? Exactly. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Because I see an AOL and I'm like, oh, you're older than me. But then I see Gmail and I'm like, whoa, little tyke, what you got going on?
2: <laughs> yeah, no, it's 100% it right there. But it's oh, uh, funny. So, but, I mean, it's
1: just to put it in context for the people that don't necessarily know or want to remember. I mean, think where were smartphones back in 05-06, right? Not exist, Non-existent. So you didn't have to worry about responsive websites. Nope. It was but, just... it was I think we
2: might have had the BlackBerry starting at that time.
1: All right. But you had... And you were using things like Dreamweaver and Photoshop.
2: We WordPress
1: watched. wasn't a thing.
2: Actually, WordPress was just starting to become a thing. Just starting. Okay. I think as we, a blog foundation, it's, it's blogging software, not, not, not a website software, but blog. yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. So just okay. give some foundation for, well, how old you are and how, how long ago that was, how wow. things were a little bit different Then I didn't mean that to be mean. I oh, just no. mean to say like, it's a different game back then, right. than what it is now.
2: It's a, oh, it's a hundred percent different. So you know, what got me started in this is, is when I was in high school, I did uh, C plus plus and computer science. Oh wow! All um, right. So I had a I had a coding background, and so and I was uh and I knew PHP, and so I could do databases, which actually what got us into WordPress. Mm-hmm. So we're doing like sub one WordPress deployments and doing like theme customizations. And so, and to your point, like we would, we would link in, we get, we'd put up Dreamweaver so we could, we could update the PHP files in there. And this is when we would create the templates like in Photoshop and we'd send a version over to the customer and, you know, and we, you know, for a long time, for probably five, six years, we had this split portfolio of people who had these, you know, HTML only templated sites that had to be updated solely in Dreamweaver. Oh, wow. And like we had people who had we pushed into the WordPress framework, all right. even back then, even back then, yes, yeah. we were we were pretty early in the in the in the WordPress. And actually we you know when I was when we had um Argus ventures, you know we uh, we were doing our own custom plugins. So we were kind of ahead of the time doing that. And wow. we did, so we did transaction software, we fed kids, uh, I should kids, people on the university campus. And then we linked, I think, seven or 10 different vendors on State Street together using swipes and, and um, mobile devices and card readers. And so we were monitoring the transactions there. So we deployed that. And that was, like, some really innovative software we did. We did some rental software. So being able to rent out apartments and doing apartment management. We did some e-commerce software. I mean, these are all custom themes that we built, Um. We so, you built a, these
1: four individual clients, or was this like the rental software? You just like, hey, we built them. landlords four, are going to
2: need this kind of thing. We built them for individual customers. And what we do is we license them. So, our, our, our real estate software was called Treehouse. Um, and we did some, we actually did some real estate stuff. We called it, um, oh, what was it called? I forget what the, uh, uh, there's a real estate, particular piece of real estate uh, software, IDX, real estate. It was the, it was the Argus IDX product. Where you could tie into the South Central Wisconsin MLS, and we'd be able to put it on your WordPress site. So we had all this bundled into a into a custom WordPress plugin, is what we did. And so yeah, I mean, we went plugin crazy because everything was a customizable plugin. All right. Are you making money? We were making money, yes. And so this is so this is what happened in 2008. You know, we were used to sell websites. You know, thirteen hundred bucks or maybe two grand. And so we started at two thousand eight. We ra- we raised our price to like five grand, seven grand, something like that, like baseline price to get in. And instead of what we did was instead of trying to collect it all up front, we said give us twelve to twenty four month monthly payments.
1: Oh wow! Okay, all right. So they're essentially financing we finan- the the bank of Argus Ventures.
2: That's exactly what we did. And actually, that's what wrote us through. Um, that's what wrote us through the recession of 08. All right. Actually, we came out on top in that recession, and we had more customers. We had increased our price point, and we had stabilized our cash flow.
1: Wow. That's so, admirable.
2: With, yeah. I mean, that, that was a really big time for me.
1: Especially if you're in the real estate world.
2: <laughs> and so, well, it was. I mean, we did some real estate. We did more on the commerce and the general, general marketing side.
1: Gotcha. Okay. So it wasn't exclusive to the idea We didn't we
2: exclusive in that. No, no, no. It would have been insane if I was exclusively one word, um, and I'm crazy, but not insane. Just to be <laughs> all right, fair, uh, totally fair. So when uh, you would license, let's just say, for example,
1: that real estate product, right? Just keep going down that road. You, some client would come to you and they like, they say, "Hey, I want a product that does this," yep. and you say, "Great, we'll build it for you." But we're also once we get this built and we figure out that it's cool, we're going to also
2: offer it to other real estate people or other insert industry here yeah so one of the positions that we always took is that we will grant you a li- a royalty-free license to the code that we use for your site but we will always retain ownership over it and um, we in no way shape or form entered into non-compete agreements with our customers all right can sell agreements so essentially they would get a deal ish
1: i imagine by coming to you with the idea I mean, or if they
2: came with an idea, would we, otherwise if we had it like in our inventory, we could just pull it together. It's like, great, this is what it costs on a TNM and m basis to put it together and maintain it.
1: All right. Yeah. Got it. So that, how long did you run with that business?
2: I did that until 2014, 2013. Um, all right, it's with, a little while. Yep. So I, you know, I got, it. Was, yeah, we had a lot of fun. And so I think toward the end of that business, one of the pieces that we came out with was um, something we called the, um uh, the Argus Client Center. And so along the journey of creating all these small plugins, I, I kind of said, you know what, for what you look in, in e-commerce or real st- reoccurring product sales and what you look at for paying your bill and tracking this, and if you look at, you know, what you're, what you're doing in, 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 you know, education or whatnot, there's a bunch of commonality in how these businesses are conducting. You call the functions different by industry. And so I said, why can't we build a common tree or a common data structure to kind of store everything and then have basically different flavors? Um and so, one of the areas that we found uh, some real growth opportunity was it was the education space. And, oh, uh, all right. And so, we built out a package of education. We sold it. And I was like, great, maybe I can make this a subscription product. So, this is just as subscriptions were becoming like the sexy thing. <laughs> right. So I'm like, great. I've got an online suite of education, uh, of a platform that I can sell. And so, we tried to sell it for 199 bucks a month. All right. Nobody buys it. You know, right. talk to people like, hey, this is what we do. They're like looking at me like, kid, you have no clue what you're talking about. <laughs> um,
1: so, who let me just back up a step so I understand this, right? So, you this is a platform for the education for the courses, so to speak, yep. but you aren't creating the courses, is that right? Yeah, no, we don't create the courses, we just do the technology. So, this is for people that create their courses, videos, PDFs, whatever forms, tests. They use your platform. People can pay. I imagine there's a paywall of some kind.
2: Yeah, can Pay, okay. and you, I would say that you know we came up with like a one click registration because this is when we learned that people use education as a source of lead gen.
1: All right, sure.
2: I did, I'd never thought about that. So we, can, you know, but we had a we had a customer that we sold our first in, instance to, um, which is what drove us to build the software. My second instance was trying to sell this for 199 bucks a month. Nobody buys the damn software. I mean. All <laughs> By, third, my, by second instance of selling the software, I sold for $100,000. Wow. And uh,
1: Tell us about that. Now we're talking money with commas. As
2: it, as it turns out, I separated myself from the deal. I was working with an associate who was, who was helping. And, uh, and he is significantly more aggressive than I was. But what I learned out of this experience was um, the perception of valuelessness. Oh, here we go. So what you do, yeah, nobody will value it. And so what I learned in this space is that in the online ed space, you're a joke if you're like sub 10k. Oh, interesting.
1: So, like, so because my- you were priced lower, people didn't even consider you.
2: That's right. All right. And so and once I realized this, so once I had this first experience and I started to learn and understand it, um like the website stuff became really like increasingly less interesting. And it just seemed boring because it's so, low dollar amount.
1: It's pain yeah, in the
2: butt. Okay, and you got to deal with people. And yeah. like, so you, one of the things that you understand, like as you become a business owner is that uh, creating a, a repeatable process and everything you do is really the, is the opportunity for growth. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's how you scale. It's how you grow, you know. It's how, you know, whatever.
1: Systems, man, systems, it's, systematize it's, everything. It's, it's,
2: it's, it's, yeah exactly right and so like but like and and you got to have the passion and if you don't have a passion for doing a new project or taking on some of the stuff um it just it it's hard to get out of bed
1: right you're looking forward to new headaches
2: yeah but you know what i had my big sale here i'm like wow this is cool like let's go boil the ocean like this was like
1: (laughs) i never heard that phrase before that's awesome Boil I love the it. ocean.
2: Let's go, I got, Let's go run, man. Yeah. Uh, so we go back to our med ed customer. They're getting ready to launch at a show in Chicago. We sit, we were talking about the victories that we had. We have a, a good amount of cash in the bank, you know. And this time, you know, my attention is clearly drifting, and so our portfolio is being managed by predominantly somebody else. I'm dealing with the stuff that really makes Dan happy and interesting and shiny. And um, so I go to Chicago. I go to this trade show. And I mean, I kid you not—fifty-three thousand people at this trade show. It's a healthcare trade show in the imaging space. It's just after Thanksgiving. All right. If you've ever been to McCormick Center, it's the North Hall, the South Hall, and the Lake Hall. Oh,
1: that's big. McCormick Hall is huge. huge. Small town. I or have a never big, seen medium-sized town.
2: I have never seen a trade show booth the size of a city block that I grew up on. All right. There it was, the GE booth, and then next to the GE booth was a Siemens booth, and I'm like, okay, I'm clearly in the wrong business. <laughs> they get a couple bucks thrown around there. I mean, their their booths were more than I had probably made in my entire life. Sure, and um, and so, but I volunteered to work with this med med customer who was uh, who was there. They were debuting their site and our software. And I said, you know what? I will happily work the booth. I will show them how our software works. You know, I am your guy. So they made the content. We made the software. Um, And so when I wasn't working the booth, I just decided to walk the show floor. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that you can do when you have nothing at stake is you can ask a lot of dumb questions. Yeah, there's no risk. Who cares? like, these guys will never meet me again. Let me just ask like any basic dumb question I possibly can. And who do they have work in the booths, right? yeah it's probably not the ceo of ge hanging out there definitely not definitely not um but you know it wasn't just the booth folks just like people walking up and down aisles Mm. um what i was doing like get some feedback and so uh what i had discovered at the end of so this is a very long trade show it's a full week trade show yeah so you're up at like six you're going to bed at like midnight you're drinking until all hours of the night it was just it's a, you know, that sounds more exciting on the front end than it is on the back end.
1: Nah, it depends <laughs> on your age and typical trade show, right? No, it's probably like
2: 25, 26, 27 at this time. Oh well, You're having a good time. I was having a great time. Um, But what I discovered after writing a bunch of notes for a week is that the product that my customer built was not the product that the market wanted.
1: Oh, well, that's a... Uh... That's a light bulb moment or a record scratch moment.
2: Maybe (laughs) they had had written, they had built a product for yesterday's imaging technologists, not tomorrow's healthcare professional. All right. I spent spent a lot of time like on the ground talking to people. And so, um, and so I came back with this whole list of recommendations on features and things that we should put in the platform. And I said, and I was very arrogant. I mean, I'm still pretty arrogant, but I was really, I was more arrogant at the time. And I said, folks, I have a bank uh, bank account full of cash, and I have a list of ideas here. And I think I might be able to sell this better than you. Um, you should bring me in for a third. I'll throw some cash in, and let's go implement these changes, and let's go sell. And they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hang on. You
1: don't- we asked you to work our booth, not take over the world, right?
2: <laughs> you don't know what you're talking about. You know? And I'm like, okay. And so we hung out another 12, 18 months, and they ended up going upside down.
1: Oh, no. All right.
2: Ended up buying that company for a dollar.
1: You bought that company?
2: I bought that company for a dollar. Yes, because they had a bunch of content that they had developed. All right. I was just going to ask, what did that dollar get you? Because even yeah, though a dollar is cheap, if, so if you're dollar. buying gum on
1: the street, it's still not worth it, right?
2: Yeah. So that dollar got me. Uh, I bought the company. I got rid of his partner. So I wrote his partner, like, literally a cent, uh, a check for, like, 40 cents and um uh and then i gave him a job i said come work for me all right and uh so you know when we offered him both jobs and at the end of the day we could not come to terms with his minority partner Mm -hmm. and and which is fine that that happens in business sometimes
1: sure not everybody gets along it's all good
2: we went back to we went back to that same trade show the following year and i walked away with our contract from ge Healthcare for a hundred thousand dollars and
1: they signed at the trade show
2: no, they signed just after the trade show, but we we got a good part of the deal negotiated at the trade show. Gotcha.
1: Okay, so you met the right people there. The right the right G- hands got shook, all that jazz.
2: Yes, and um, and I'm like, huh, we uh, we we got some action going into this. All and right. um, and so we happened to be in the same space, the same office building that um, uh, startup accelerator was in. And so some, and we had hired a, a chief marketing officer just before we went to the trade show. And he goes, have you, uh, have you raised capital before? And I said, no idea what you're talking about. This is all funded out of Dan's pocket and everything else. And he goes, well, you know, <laughs> what do you think about raising capital. And so at that point, um, I decided to test some water, talk to some docs who wanted to build an, uh, 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 a system to do online education and integrate some EHR components. This is all happening at the same time. Talk to them. This is super interesting. <laughs> Dan. To Dan, this is interesting. For Dan. <laughs> all right. And uh, they're like, yeah, how much would that cost? And I throw out some astronomical figure. And they're like, okay, we'll write you a check. So I have I finished this coffee with this CMO, that guy, who's telling me I should raise capital. So I go back to these docs and I'm like, hey, how would you guys like to be part of owners in the company? I think We're going to raise some capital. Why don't you guys be my seed investors? And end up negotiating, you know, terms. I mean, I forget what it was like, probably three, three and a half million dollar pre-money. I'm like, why don't we do that? Why don't you guys throw this in? We'll call it good. And so we ended up going in and raising like 200 grand, like off the bat. I call my attorney and I'm like, hey, I need a referral to somebody who does venture capital. Do you have any idea who does it? He goes, yeah, we got somebody in our firm. Talk to their attorney, talk to his referral in his firm. He goes, Huh? You negotiated all that? I'm like, yep. I'm like, do you know what you're negotiating? Like, not a clue. And he goes, we well, negotiated decent terms. And I'm like, cool. And so we got that signed paper, did a convertible note, um, and we apply for this startup accelerator now. So, so but for this the CMO that I had forgotten, I had forgotten about. So I hadn't thought about this in forever until you maybe tell this story. You know, I would never have thought about raising capital. And uh, so we apply to this accelerator program, and we get in. All right. So you know, and uh, and so they and they ended up writing another hundred thousand dollar check or seventy thousand, I think. And I think we had another uh, follow on check for like fifty or seventy or something like that. And so we did a twelve week accelerator program. We got to meet with some mentors whom I talked to today and helped shape my world. And um, and you know, we walked out of there raising one point two million. Wow. Yes. And then we utterly failed, but that's a whole different chapter. <laughs> um, um, but you know, so we were really successful. And um and you know, again, this is where arrogance really hurt you as an entrepreneur. It's like I was so arrogant and people told me that I was so special that I thought oh. know, I was gonna part the red sea at some point.
1: <clears throat> All right. Well, I mean, as a business owner, you gotta have a at least a little chunk of ego because you have to believe that you can do it better than it has been done. And if you didn't have an ego, you wouldn't have that
2: belief i mean i think that's i think that's true i i wish um so my i try to have relatively uh, few regrets in life um but you know about a year and a half after raising that you know we ended up having to lay off like 20 people and and how many people did you have we probably had 25 30 people at one point did you programmers or what were they uh developers sales yeah, in what we had our implementation or customers customer support yeah i mean and we i mean we we deployed the capital very poorly so like james let me tell you as an entrepreneur who has learned like i we raised so much capital and deployed it so poorly and this is what we failed to like recognize as business owners is like we get so high on our own supply sometimes we forget to go back to the basics mm. you know what and uh, candidly i surrounded myself this is my fault my responsibility
1: Right, it's all at the top. That's who you
2: blame. But I, res- I did not, I did not surround myself with people that would challenge assumption, or or people who had the thinking about how we how we conquer business tomorrow, but we're always looking at how business was done yesterday. And so, and what I mean by that is like the world that changed and has changed for us in the in the world in the business community, where so much of good quality sales, regardless if they're consp- uh, business to consumer or business to business is built around an inbound marketing apparatus. So we don't think about it today, but when you look at at a TikTok influencer or an Instagram influencer, and you're looking at clothes that they wear or how they dress or products they use, that is all really soft marketing. What that's doing is that's getting you warmed up to receive another marketing message. Mm -hmm. So and the second piece there is like, you know what? We piled a half million dollars into developing software that was never used. Oh. I mean, we. I mean, we. We didn't finish it, and so, but and so the two the two takeaways there are when you think about making investments to grow your business. Number one, you don't need to build out software that, that you haven't tested or hasn't been there hasn't been a demonstrated demand for. And number two, um, you don't need to hire salespeople. What you need to do is build a marketing apparatus to bring a, bring a higher qualified lead to your email box. And once you have so many high qualified leads in your inbox, that's when you bring on your next sales guy. Because then they have someone to chase, versus just knocking on doors. Hiring a good inside sales guy is the next uh, the next piece there. And if you've done a good job building an inbound apparatus, you've made your life significantly easier. All right, So the three regrets. Number one, I had to lay off you know twenty people and you know hurt them and negatively impacted their family, and that's something that bothers me to this day. Yeah. Number two, I should have deployed the capital uh, building an inbound infrastructure because that would have created a more solid infrastructure for growth in the long term. And number three, I would not have overbuilt technical infrastructure that we didn't actually know that we needed.
1: All right. So it's interesting. I'm hearing somewhat of an irony from the first time you go to McCormick and you're like, hey, you guys are building this thing for the past and you ended up making a similar mistake, it sounds like. Yeah, I mean, everybody gets blind. Sure. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. I would love to say that I never wasted a dime in business, but what is the definition of entrepreneurship? It's making enough money to afford
2: your mistakes. (laughs) I haven't heard that one, but I do like it. Something like that, yeah. Uh, But, you know, I mean, today, so, you know, we hit our low point in 16, 17, you know, and so, you know, I really struggled, like, you know, from owing everybody money to having to pull myself back together to figuring out how I'm going to you know make it all work and you know thankfully today we're back around we've got you know between contractors and on people on our payroll somewhere between 25 30 people in our universe today you know we we started our second so you know we we um we've seen Altus kind of grow and become still in the healthcare space and we're doing some expansion work into the into the um general uh learning space now we mm. spin out out of Altus which is SDM central. And so that does shared decision-making tools. So it helps patients and providers understand preferences for decision-making. You know, we did that, we spun that out uh, 18 months ago. We did a half million dollars last year. We'll likely do 1.2 million this year.
1: Oh, wow. That's growth. Wow.
2: Yeah. I mean, we, I mean, we, we hired our chief revenue officer this year um, who is, you know, overseeing a lot of that growth, which is helping me. And you know, I mean, part of what made this, part of what makes the comeback possible, James, is like I, 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 I ground it out for a while, you know, and you stop spending on you know money and I, you know, hit under rocks and I decided that at some point you got to show your face again. So then mm-hmm. I started that. And then I hit a point as a, in being in business where I decided I was going to move from being a uh, manager to leader. All right. And that in itself is a pretty significant milestone for people. that's a huge
1: just to acknowledge it's a great step so some people actually make moves to accomplish it huge step necessary
2: i think what allows me to do what i do today is because i was intentional about making the step from manager to leader Mm -hmm. and i you know so part of a lot of what i do now is empower the people around me and so when i'm trying to i don't make every decision great or I don't make every best decision, but what I try to do is kind of have some value or some theory around what we're trying to do. And, you know, and ask, is it going to help us in the short term? Is this going to benefit the companies and people in the long term? Nice. Um, and, you know, the the folks that we have around us, I think are doing a really good job of stepping up and learning how to make decisions. You know, both decisions that I would support and or in a framework that I would support, and but they, would, they don't always make the decision I would want them to make. You know and, and and what's super privileged is we're going to hire probably 10 15 people in the next couple months and you know we're very blessed we have maybe 75 applications that have come in over the last week and a half two weeks uh, in-house
1: yeah. people or we're we
2: talking remote somewhere uh so they will likely be I mean so some people here in Madison we um we will likely hire nationally so we have we are deploying a new program this year called Altus level up and so when we're, so a couple of things that we're doing a little differently. So we found the success of our of, uh, SDM Central, just amazing. We have decided to be really intentional about kind of grooming the talent pool that we want, taking them through the process that we want. And you know, what? the way that we start to look at success in the long term is we would like to make investments into other startups. I know I would like to make investments. I think where people come short and it's not necessarily ideas, but finding the resources and that, not necessarily money, but like the people resources and the culture and the mentality. And so, you know, what what where Altus is going in the long term is being really intentional and in teaching people how to how, you know, what's expected in, in a, a startup and fast-paced environment, establishing a basic level of knowledge and saying, hey, work in our departments. If you come up with an idea that we think we can launch into a business or do kind of an MVP for, we'd love to look at doing it with you. And if we can spin it out into a business, we will. And oh, uh, wow. okay, and actually, we we are doing our first kind of like MVP of this model right now. We um we had an intern that worked with us for two years. We used to go around to the table and do stock uh, comparing stock picks, and <laughs> we're all pros, right? Yeah, and,
1: yeah, we all are.
2: But so, as his last project working for us, we decided to do a um, do a special project, and so he built some software-enabled trading software. Or some software to do software-enabled trading, and uh, and we decided that we we're going to build it out and do a company, and so um, and so that was kind of the framework. And then we said, well, we should be really intentional, and let's let's make this a process. And if that's a if that's a path for growth for people that are in our universe, let's support that because we want that talent to stay in our universe. If we can keep that, that will help the portfolio at large, and um, and we want people to know that there's a there's a future with Altus. You know, gotcha. so, so you have
1: some work essentially to keep them going while you figure out what the next step
2: is. That's right. That's right. There's, there's work with us. And like because because we're doing so much on the training up front that as you build a company, feel free to go into the Altus pool of talent and, you know, pick from that company.
1: Oh, interesting. So not only are you investing cash in them, you also have resources, people and stuff like that that you can help that's supply it. as well.
2: Absolutely. Because, like the, you know, people will just have good ideas and, and we'd rather keep really smart, bright people in our, in our ecosystem. And we'd like to figure out how to how to keep them entertained versus lose them to somebody else. You know, and I think, you know, and, and to that end, we um we recently did a joint partnership with two other guys, but we're launching our first accelerator and incubator programs, too. And so the long term ability here is to be able to support the portfolio companies that that go through those programs and uh, be able to help staff them and put talent in there.
1: So you have, I want to talk about, um, I'm going to talk about your feelings, Dan. <laughs> so when you, let's go back to when you had to let 20 people know, funny story, you don't have a job anymore. Times aren't going so well here. Mm-hmm. Was that you that had to have those conversations or was that some other employee that you had? They had to have those conversations. I put everybody in one room. Everybody. Okay. All 25.
2: Yeah, We had a big room.
1: All right. uh, 20. You got to pay for your own lunch today. Yeah.
2: Or however you did. Okay.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, you
2: know, it started off where it's like, I I thought we'd be getting an investment. So I said, guys, it's going to be likely that we are going to be, you know, we're going to stop work. Uh we are likely not going to close on an investment here and we're going to have to take a pause.
1: Now, most of these people that were hired, Mm -hmm. did they know that you were riding on
2: investment cash rather than profit? No, I don't think so. I think people thought we were, I I don't, I don't, I think they knew that we take an investment cash. And I think this is actually a failure in, in my leadership at the time is really being accurate and portraying, you know, I did not do a good job of communicating with the people that worked for us where we were. All right. And and a little bit about what is what I call like, um, uh, heroism or saviorism is that, uh, I wanted to protect people from the bad news and only share the good news.
1: Oh, only the rainbows, never the storm clouds. Right.
2: Right. So I internalized a lot of the bad news and never shared the, and always share the good stuff. All right. I think, um, you know, if I had to do it again, I would, I think uh, it would be more on me to be more transparent about our successes and failures. Mm. And I think that I could have benefited and we collectively would have benefited greatly had if I had been more candid about the failure and asked people for their thoughts on how we could solve it.
1: All right. You do know. you feel like your crew at that time would have been able to help you?
2: I. Th- <clears throat> I would say, like, one thing, I, and I value this about the teams that I have today, too, like, sometimes, do they always have, like, the business savvy or sophistication to make a statement, maybe, or to, to solve the problem? No. But what is always of value is that they is, is that they will put an idea to challenge an assumption that says, mm-hmm. you know what, I wouldn't have approached it that way, but maybe if we change this around and have this conversation, this can help us. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. at solving I, a problem. Makes sense. Sure. I mean, yes. And, you know, you know, and the other things that we make the situations really complicated, but at the end of the day, the, the, comp, the situations are not as complicated as we make them. They're about as complicated as being out on the schoolyard and being on the playground and wondering if you're going to get into a fight or not, or figuring out if somebody's going to break up, you know, you know, or- it's interesting you say that, right. Cause it's just like
1: perception of value, the perception of problems and how deep they go. Is very similar, right? They're rarely based on logic. I
2: usually, when I apply logic, I fail. <laughs> <laughs> it's emotional decisions all the way. <laughs> people are very emotional, you know, oh, some people, people like, universally, I, yeah, extremely. You know, and, and default, yeah, I'm guilty of that too. It's like, dude, I'm not doing business with such and such because he wronged me 10 years ago. All right, I've been that guy. I'm sure people are that person to me today. You know, and I I guess I don't I don't walk into a Best Buy very often because
1: because of a fixed 56k modem issue.
2: Well, see, there you go.
1: (laughs) Decades ago (laughs) horse and buggy days or whatever that was.
2: But you know, I mean, and but that's where a lot of this stuff comes down to is like such and such. It's like, dude, get over it, go buy him a drink, go pad stuff up, everything will be and you know, I mean. I've tried to be significantly more intentional about that and try to take a higher road on stuff, you know, and, and during this time, again, I was so arrogant on some of this stuff, you know, probably cause I was going through my Steve jobs phase or whatever. <laughs> customers are idiots and you did this you know, at the end of the day, your customers aren't idiots. Your customers, no. if you open your ear and you listen to them and you ask them some questions, will tell you where we're going.
1: Yeah. I mean, in the end they had either they have a business or they have something in their life where they need your product, or service. So they're not
2: dumb. I think the tough thing, and I, I was listening to this on a podcast, but it makes a lot of sense is for us as businesses to recognize what customers are saying and to be able to kill the golden goose that got us here, because it isn't going to get us to the next tranche. Right. And so next so like, thing,
1: next thing, next thing. Makes yeah. Makes sense.
2: You know, like I have, I've developed, I think, an ability to change and adapt.
1: Well, you have to, right. It's adapt or die.
2: I mean, ask the guy who is still working in the same hardware store for 40 years. <laughs> so yeah. Right. 80% of the product that he's selling today are the same products that he was selling 40 years ago.
1: The technology in hammers probably hasn't advanced too much. So, right? Tape measure, still a tape measure. Yeah. So, uh, I want to keep going down the emotional road here, though. Oh, okay. If you make me cry at the end of this, I'm going to be very <laughs> upset. <laughs> it's not that kind of podcast we're cool i just want to help people understand right like mm-hmm. i've had to let people go i haven't had to let people go um because business is doing bad i'd let people go because they were causing business to be bad not doing their job yeah. So i've never had to do any mass layoffs or anything like that so lucky for me right mm-hmm. um what i want to ask is the point when you had to get rid of 20 people and then to the point you are now, what, what's the timeline
2: there? Are we talking a few years? By eight years. Eight, okay. Well, that's more than a few. Okay. About seven, eight years. So uh, 2016, 2017. So it's 2023 now. So seven years. So the, the moment that everybody walks out of that room
1: after you just let go 80% of your population there, mm-hmm. you take a deep breath, sip of coffee or whatever like that. What do you do when you go home? I mean, I drink. Uh, <laughs> You know, Don't take advice from this guy. Right? So I, so the next day, like I, what, I, was your, I, what was your what was your path that you saw for yourself? Oh, Where did yeah. you see yourself going there? Are you like, okay, I have to rebuild this thing, or hey, how are we gonna close up gradually? Or what was no, what was, was the thought process?
2: I was very deluded that we were gonna close on a one point one million dollar transaction and I was being stalled by time.
1: Oh, you were banking on the sale.
2: Yes. So we were getting right. So, yeah, we were raising capital and closing on a transaction simultaneously.
1: All right. And when you're talking
2: transactions that big, they
1: typically don't happen overnight.
2: No, it's I not didn't. like
1: buying a big gulp or something like that.
2: And no, they're not. And I had just flown to, we were doing a, we were supposed to do a, a transaction with this company in Alabama. All right. So I'd just gotten back from Alabama, talked to the investors, did the whole thing. Like everything should be set to close. You know, so this is one thing that I, I do not appreciate about some folks in their negotiating styles is like it's always one more thing. Oh, my gosh. Wait
1: till after Christmas. Wait till after New Year's. Wait till after the third Tuesday. It's got a full moon. Yeah. It's, always one it's more- oftentimes something that has no relevance to the actual decision.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it was always these small things. And I'm like, man, so we're dying by a thousand cuts. <laughs> it's literally like the end of June going into like the holiday fourth year. Our holiday fourth uh, vacation, where I had to give this speech. Mm. You know? and I'm like, yeah, it's just like this is like the worst thing. like, guys, I will get this problem solved in a couple weeks. Bear with me. you know, and um I mean, I, it's uh, it's just you know, it's just one of those most horrible things. I mean, I remember like being so cash poor at the time, too, like I had made an investment in exact sciences. Which is a local company here. They had just gone public, and just before their like their uh their their cancer diagnostic drug was coming to market. So All they right, was trading at five dollars and sixty cents. That's what I bought it at. Well, that's a while ago. Okay. Oh yeah. yeah. And so and I was like their their stock had like shot up to seventeen bucks. I'm like, God, I got to liquidate this because I need cash to try to make a payroll. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, I mean, that's kind of like what this how desperate the situation was at the time. You know, tried to close, you know, so these deals didn't close, you know, it's it's drug on for two, three weeks. And then it's like, great. Everybody's done.
1: Because there's just no more money. There's no more money.
2: There's no more money. But we still had the phones on. And, uh, you know, slowly but surely, we ended up landing. We had a couple of our products renew at the time, which gave us some cash. So we had a subscription business.
1: All right. Annual?
2: Uh, yep. Yeah, so they pay annually for us. And so we had some September, October subscriptions that paid. So we got started to get recapitalized there. I talked to another one of my investors who went through in like 50 or 70. I had two investors actually. I had two of them throw me another $100,000. They did? Yes. After yes.
1: running through, running. We most had of no money to the two. ground.
2: Yes, we had no money for three months. And then in November of like 16, So this is all coming back to me now in the timeline. <laughs> Like in November of sixteen, I had two investors write me a hundred thousand dollars. Wow! 000, Lifeline. Yes. Between that hundred thousand dollars and like getting the renewal business back moving, you know, we went out, got an office, brought another person on, and got everything moving again.
1: All right. So the original investors, we had that million, million half. I forget what it was. Is this still the same company? So it's coming back up and around and sur- surviving into thriving
2: yes all right very cool yeah.
1: so, and did you get to hire any of those 20 back
2: no no we uh a majority of us majority of did not settle on good terms all right they're really upset with me and i i you know i see one now ironically one of them is in the office here that we work in oh interesting oh so, yeah uh, there's
1: no eye contact
2: nope i you know what i don't run i there's a problem i look at it and try to deal with it
1: Right on. Right on. Yeah, I mean it's tough. It is very difficult to have a business for any realistic length of time, let's say over 10 years, where you don't piss off at least one or two people.
2: Yeah, I mean intentional I mean, or not. My just, my Christmas card list has gotten has gotten well, I guess my Christmas card list has gotten longer over the years. The people who send me Christmas cards <laughs>
1: It happens. It's a thing. We're all there. Okay. I still it's
2: all good. Get the, person, the people I went to high school with, so they still like me. <laughs> That's funny. I've also had the privilege of not working with me.
1: So then over the course of the next eight years, right, you get this cash, in, cash infusion.
2: Do you ever close that deal that you were banking on? No. Actually, ironically enough, I was um, – so one of the things that I do now, too, is I go we'll evaluate business deals. And so I oh. recently just flew to California. And I went to go look at a deal. So I'm in California. I'm 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 looking at this deal, I'm sitting there with these, these guys. And I get a text message. She goes, Alabama, are y'all available for a conversation tomorrow. We all are. He goes, Y'all, y'all. And I go, Yeah, let's do it. And he goes, Great, y'all be safe out there. I'm like, I'm in California, man. He's like, no problem. <laughs> I have this call, do it. He goes, Hey. We want to spend more time with the grandkids. You ready to buy the business? So it called me again to wanting to close this business. will close huh. them. Now the guy who's buying this business in California is my mentor when I did uh, when we, we did a startup accelerator. He's been oh, wow. he's been one of my mentors for like seven, eight years. And um and uh he go, I go, Adrian, you'll never guess the call I just got. The guys asking me if I want to buy this business. And he goes, Didn't you already say that you weren't gonna do that? I'm like, well, you keep telling me that, but every time he calls, I feel like I just want to go buy it. What kind of business? Medical
1: education business. All right. So something that you're already in the realm of.
2: Very similar to what we're in the realm of. And so um slightly slightly different. Mar- Sorry, I might have to sneeze. Uh slightly different market, but yeah. And um, and uh You know what, Adrian is right. I'm right. Like I'm overbuying these businesses. You know what we're looking at doing today is significantly larger. Um, You know, and and I never really thought about the segmentation, the challenges when you think about the market you're getting into, and and you know what that's got to look like, and how you're going to do debt service, and what are the longer term economics. Mm -hmm. Now that I appreciate that a little bit more, you know, it's easy. You know, in hindsight. Had the transaction closed seven years ago? Had we done that acquisition? Had we raised a million dollars? we, you know, it, it. The reality is, it likely would have only pushed off the inevitable.
1: Oh, just delay the inevitable.
2: Yeah. All right. Yeah, that's kind of the irony in the mix, you know. And and like again, the core lesson there is like, don't overbuild. Understand your comp, your customer. Build for. It, figure out how to serve them. When their need changes, change with them. You know, and then from the individual as an entrepreneur, shake your arrogance, have a little bit, but shake it and check it, figure out how to, to be a growth mind. And the biggest resource that you have is not the cash in your bank account, but the people you work with.
1: Oh, fair, fair. People make the business. That's for sure. Yes. Yeah. It doesn't hurt to have a couple bucks in the bank just in case your people mess up.
2: That makes life easier. Yeah. You know? It's nice can- to have money in the second but but people. Are, I am, I, I would tell you this. The one of the guys that stuck around with me, his name is Sam.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I would not be here today if it was not for Sam. Oh, interesting. All right. He goes, starts working. I'm like, Sam, everybody is gone. Why are you showing up for work? <laughs> he goes, I don't know how you're going to do it, Dan, but you are going to figure out how to do this. You always figure out this, a solution.
1: Oh, that's so funny. That is yeah. so funny because he knows from an entrepreneur, entrepreneurial mindset, right? let just solve a problem. Solve the problem. We're like vanilla ice, right? You got a problem, you all solve it. If it was
2: not for Sam, mm-hmm. I would not be here talking to you today.
1: All right. Well, way to go,
2: Sam. So like that is like, and so you are you are a product of the people, your environment, and I'm eternally thankful for people having faith in in what we do, and 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 you know, it's very humbling.
1: Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. And Sam's still with you.
2: Sam is still with us. Sam is our chief technical officer. Very cool. Yep. All
1: right. Very cool. So uh, you, in that eight years, what were you doing to build up to where you
2: are now? Um, Well, we did a fair amount of hustling. All
1: right.
2: yeah. and so, so Selling
1: and looking for more investors?
2: Uh, We didn't really take on more investors. Nope. We just, you know, um, one of the things that I also learned is that, There's a really big allure of of wanting to go and raise capital. At some point, you actually have to make money selling a product. You can't just raise capital infinitely.
1: It is crazy to me on that point, how many businesses can raise capital without actually showing a profit or a means to achieve a profit. Yeah, It blows my mind because from my point of view, the majority of people that are investing, throwing money, hundreds of millions of dollars at these places are people that did all right. However, they got their money. So you'd think they'd be pretty good at decisions. And if I was to <laughs> be told like, hey, I got the super awesome business idea. And I say, great. Are you making money? And they say, no, but I need investors. I'm not going to be an investor in that company. But I see yeah. every day I hear about a company, that you know, they landed whatever investment and they don't have a revenue model. I mean, How? They- Why? It blows my mind. Blows my mind. I'm out of touch. Maybe they need a tax write-off somewhere. I don't know.
2: You can put a lot of stuff on paper, you know, and and on paper, it sounds really great. The tough part is when the rubber hits the road, you know? And To me,
1: that seems like a very logical, like, hey, in order for me to get a return, you need to make a profit. What are the steps for you to make a profit? I remember uh, I was at a 1 Million Cups event four years ago, something like that. There you go. There you go. It was great. It was a lot of fun. Because you'd have presenter presenter in their little spiel about whatever whatever their new widget, software, whatever it is, new business. And I remember there was a group of, I don't know, five, six, seven guys. And they had some, it was going to be the next big thing, right? And I don't remember if I asked or if somebody else asked. I know I was definitely thinking it. Well, How are you making money? What's your revenue model? And they said, we don't have that yet. But then they also said they're on their second or third round of funding. Mm -hmm. I'm like, who is investing in you if you don't even have a way to pay them back?
2: Well, you know, so this is is the answer I would give if I was going to go raise capital and you were an investor. Mm -hmm. I would tell you that we've got a SaaS-based model, so software as a service, and we do either a monthly or annual subscription. And we don't. We did not invest in building an on-the-ground sales infrastructure. What we did is we built an inbound infrastructure that started finding out where our prospective customer was. So typically, that means that if you were looking through a Google search, we brought you to a landing page. We tried to get you into a video. We wanted to educate you and provide you a white paper, and understand some conversion activity to really qualify you. Once we got, once we did the give-get, we'd have one of our inbound sales guys call you. And kind of run through the discovery process and see if we can really sell you. That's kind of number one. Number but, two. There, okay. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, you're good. You're good. Go ahead. Number two, there's like maybe we're gonna advertise to you on Facebook or Instagram, Snap, TikTok. But roughly the same process. We're gonna collect your information. You're gonna do a. You're gonna have some kind of conversion action. I'm gonna come into my system. I'm gonna have my sales guy call you. So you're gonna do the work on this mass level. I'm gonna build an in and uh, in inside. Sales infrastructure, and it's going to call and discover you all day long. And I got to tell you, that is roughly the, uh that is uh, run through the discovery process, just to be clear. But that is like roughly what the formula is if you're a SaaS company. Great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is the greatest answer in the minute. My my, what's my monetization mechanism? It's a SaaS. I'm going to charge you monthly. And then if I got real clever and cute, I'm going to charge you per contact or per user. And I'm going to discount you for a contract term. Boom. Done.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: like a default answer it, right in this case for this particular example
1: that actually happened uh, this was a social media platform they had users they were looking to get more users but they had no way or means for those users to actually send money to them so like your, your business somebody could call you up and say hey I got a bag of money I want whatever it is you're selling and you could say great drop your bag of money off at this address yeah. this place <laughs> Somebody would call up and say, hey, I got a bag of money. I'll buy whatever it is you're selling. And they would say, hey, we're actually not selling anything.
2: <laughs> I would say, just give me your credit card number.
1: But they had nothing. There was nothing. I, I find you know, that just crazy. Yeah. that yeah. It eventually folded. So we're not crazy. But that means that investors, I assume, lost some cash on that. Right. So maybe somebody got a new car.
2: I don't know. I don't know. Well, I mean, new, yeah, exactly. But you're you're not wrong. Like, if you don't have a monetization model, we're talking. no, I will tell you. Like, we're doing a project now, so we're expanding our products. That's for one of our businesses. Mm-hmm. And like, uh, like they're going to ask us how we're going to monetize this. I'm like, I have no ungodly, ungodly clue. No zero nada. Zero, 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 zero. Nothing. I, I that hurts like, to no. hear. Well, hold on a second. I didn't say I didn't come up with one. But wait, there's more. Wait, there's more. And so, you know, there's a solution to every problem. And so, and I'm thinking through and I'm like, huh, you know, if we knew their licensing model, we'd be able to figure out how to price this better, but you know, they haven't told us yet. And so and I'm pacing the halls, trying to figure this out. And I'm like, you know what? We're such idiots. And so we use HubSpot. Okay. Right? And so HubSpot's a fairly successful marketing automation and a customer relationship management software. And their monetization model is remarkably similar. They give you a uh um a flat rate service, a flat rate subscription fee, and plus they ding you on the number of users and the number of contacts. Mm-hmm. That's how they expand, right? To create more revenue. I'm like, why do we make this more complicated? Let's just do the exact same thing. We'll just charge a flat rate fee and we'll expand based on usage. You know, and um so that's how we solve that problem. So right. I, got, I got my price point when I talked to the license guy and he goes, hey, your, your your price point is, you know, 450 per year or something like that. Great. Now I can charge X times that and get to where I want to go. So mm-hmm. over with, you know, but I mean, but what really, if you kind of hear what I just shared with you is I went through a discovery process. So I thought about it critically. I looked at relevant examples in the market. I said, this one gets us to where we go. This is obviously the prevailing model because this is now a publicly traded company that allows for scalability. And then to get the exact fixed price point, I did some homework and talked to the providers that were already selling into the space. So I knew where the price points were. Mm. Knowing then, what
1: your competition, where, where they were at. What's that? Essentially knowing where your competition was at. Price
2: well, price? I guess maybe technically a partner in this mix, but yeah, Got it. okay. My okay. yes. And so, but like, you know, my, my, my point is like, it didn't sound like it, but I was actually looking at all the, th- all the models and trying to do the homework to figure out where to be in the market and to be competitive. Because to like the problem that I had earlier, I did not want to throw a number out and have a, percep- a perception of value crisis. Oh, all right.
1: Because
2: right, if I start that way, it's going to be really hard for me to, re- uh, to recover. Sure. You, you know, and-
1: interesting thing about the whole the software thing, from my point of view as a consumer of software is that it's very tough to shop for because what you see uh, when you're shopping for something is either way too broad, way too vague. It doesn't say whether it solves your problem. You think it does, but you're not really sure. Or if it does say that, that it does so, it doesn't necessarily say how. So you don't know comparing software A to software B. If A does a better job, more efficient job, faster job, smoother job, whatever, versus
2: B, You don't know until you actually test drive them. Well, you're actually identifying one of the challenges that we think a lot of small businesses have, which is trying to figure out software. And so, I think I shared with you we're doing an accelerator program. One of the very particular modules that we put into our accelerator program was teaching um, uh, business or yeah, our businesses how to shop for SaaS based software. Now, this is basically based off like the experience that we've had at Altus because we know what we. So we've used HubSpot, we use Active Campaign, we've used Mailchimp, we've used Constant Contact, we've used QuickBooks. I mean, we've got a whole arsenal of software. Um, you know, and the dirty little secret is that you can accomplish a lot with most of them. So you can usually accomplish about eighty percent of what you want with with a couple pieces of software. You'll never get to hundred percent. No, because as
1: soon as you're happy, then you want something else.
2: You never find happiness. <laughs> um. But, uh, but you know, to your point, oh, uh, Insightly was a great CRM. I think you know, it still is. You know, Insightly. I haven't heard that in a long time. All right. Yeah, I mean, it was, and it was. A, I loved Insightly. I loved how fluid it was. But you know, I mean, like, how do you buy one of these things? Well, you, you know, you think about cost, growth, scalability, et cetera, resources, community to support it, and uh, and you know, it's really tough. And so, but but to your point, this is what you said. People buy software based off your testimonial and experience. So you go in at a zero to low price point. You get trapped in there because you spend so much time configuring and setting up the way that you want it. Is that it's too costly for you to leave.
1: Oh, sure. Yeah. Just like your cell phone,
2: right? Well, your cell phone, you're actually, you are are more likely to defect on your cell phone. And so you're not going to defect. I'm sorry. You won't leave the Apple iPhone. But what you will leave is AT&T for Verizon or vice versa. Sure. But it's still a pain. I mean, all you got to do is redownload your, your, your image from the cloud and reset it up. It's pretty pretty easy. And right. But
1: uh, I'm not going to say all oh, you have to do. Because if my mom were to do that, oh, it's difficult. Difficult. <laughs> fair right, enough. So it's not for, for a lot of people. That's no big thing. For other people, they're just like, you know what? I'll, I have a certain pain threshold. For any given, my internet provider, my cell phone provider, whatever software I'm using, right? I mean, you could make a very strong point that QuickBooks is around because it's just good enough for people not to leave them.
2: Because QuickBooks mean,
1: is not great software. No, they dominate the market.
2: I mean, I think QuickBooks did something that Peachtree wasn't. So people are like, what is Peachtree? Peachtree? <laughs> you remember Peachtree? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, was a QuickBooks it was yeah a QuickBooks competitor twenty years ago, mm-hmm. um, and so and this is when you were a small business, you got pitched by half the accounts that use Peachtree and the other half that use QuickBooks. <clears throat> you know, ultimately, where QuickBooks made the biggest impact was going online. Mm. Right, and so in the second piece, what QuickBooks essentially did and really intuit did is it exported its innovation by opening up its API, allowing people to build different features for it. and then once the feature found enough traction they bought the feature and incorporated it into quickbooks
1: yeah that's true i was looking for software for my printer repair company i'm crm stuff and i remember them saying it connects to quickbooks and i'm like can't you have that portion that accounting portion in the software so i don't
2: need to bridge it to quickbooks no 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 no, no. <laughs> well, you know but i mean that was genius on you know that was genius very on... smart move on quickbooks and yeah yeah. Because you know what they did That's an effectively they they um exported their research and development got other people to put up capital for it and got them to validate and create minimal viable products
1: mm-hmm.
2: it's I mean, forced loyalty yeah and it is hubspot does the same thing with their. you know anybody who's got a marketplace is basically saying we don't want to risk doing the software ourselves so we're going to let other people do it and we're going to de-risk the situation
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: yeah uh i mean until you have to use the software and you hate it <laughs> or uh, you tolerate it right i
2: didn't say the world was perfect
1: right <laughs> it certainly is not that's true fair totally
2: fair yeah uh but yeah no buying SaaS software is tough i think that will you know not i think so definitively i buy SaaS software based off my need and like people that i've talked to for recommendations all right I like to think I'm a first mover on it, but candidly, as I get older on some pieces, on some things, I become less of a first mover on things that are going to be mission critical. And I go on, I take the safer route.
1: All right. Fair. Because if that, that software goes away or gets sold or bought or whatever. And I you mean, get that little email that says that we're discontinuing service or, yeah, or whatever.
2: I mean, this is like, no, I give make it a different case. Is like the cost of training 25 or 30 people. Oh, fair. Expensive.
1: Yeah. I remember it's interesting because I was looking at um, iThemes had a member software. This is back probably 2006, 2007, something like that. Mm -hmm. And I almost bid on it, but I did not. And I'm glad I did not because three years later, I get an email because I was still on their email list saying, Hey, funny story. We sold this person to another company. Good luck. (laughs) We're no longer offering support. And I was thinking that would have been the whole back end of my whole course through the business coaching thing. I can't yeah. imagine people that had that as their their foundation, right? They stuck hundreds, thousands of hours building courses in this platform just to get an email saying,
2: "Oops." Oh, you don't think about that stuff, but man, that I mean, that's the what you're we talking about, though, with the SaaS stuff. I mean, when that, by the way, that's if you're an investor. What we just talked about is the cost of change is so high that you'll never leave, which means that we value trapped you in there and we can raise the price whenever we want.
1: All right. I suppose that's the model for Epic.
2: I mean, I don't, I'm not an Epic customer, but it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. I would guess the cost of change is so high. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, you know, when Netflix raises their prices, you're going to, it's easy to change. You know, when you, what is something? So you and I use CRM softwares for our businesses. Mm-hmm. They're going to give me a 10% raise next year in cost. My cost are going to go up 10%. All right. I'm not going to change. I'm just going to suck it up. Because okay. the train 20-odd people on the CRM system would be... By then it'll be closer to 40. Okay. And are they all in the CRM system? though? Most of them are. Okay. So we use it for customer support, sales... Business Most around. you're talking a whole ticketing system and all that jazz. Yeah, got everything's sitting there. All right, yeah. <laughs> all right. We got maybe 120,000 records that sit there that we, you know, probably 20,000 of them are actively maintained per year.
1: Well, hopefully your CRM software person isn't listening to this, going like, "Did we say
2: 10? We meant 40."
0: Yeah,
2: actually, we went. We decided that we're going to go all in with HubSpot, and uh, we we're forming a Hub. We're going we to become a HubSpot partner with them.
1: Oh, interesting.
2: All right. Yeah. So we decided that this is like a, we decided that we we're going to we're going to hitch we're going right. to get into an LTR with HubSpot. Gotcha. Yeah. Interesting. It's a big move. Yeah, it is. You know, so you know, we've been really intentional about figuring out how to make things work.
1: So bringing it to today, yeah. How many branches, businesses, I don't know what you'd call them. Maybe there's different. What all do you have going on?
2: So we've got Altus which Got two business units, one in the healthcare education and compliance space, one in the non education compliance space.
1: All right.
2: I'm sorry, non healthcare compliance space, one in the general uh, training space. Got it. Sorry. Okay. That sounded more confusing. Course creation software, essentially. Course creation LMS. All right. Uh, yep. Yeah. And so, and then we're introducing a mentoring platform within it uh, later this year. Business number two. Is a uh, it's called SDM Central, and that's a patient-provider platform to understand uh, treatment preferences for chronic illness. So, as mm-hmm. a, as an example, if you have asthma, we try to understand, you know, your 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 preferences for treatment of asthma, and then uh, help position you to ask the right questions to a provider to understand what therapy might work for you. Business number three is our is our newest business, which is our software enabled well second to newest business, which is our software enabled trading business. Um, and uh, that's pretty exciting. So that's one of our new kind of MVPs that we did with our with our intern now COO for it. Um, and then business number four is our new little capital management business that is um, doing the incubator and accelerator programs.
1: All right, wow. Team. It's a, team and people. That's a lot of spinning plates for you, then, right? Or do you have people running it all and you just camp on the beach all day?
2: Yes. <laughs> no, camp about, on the beach,
1: spinning plates, James.
2: It's, no, I don't do the beach. Uh, I don't look good in a Speedo in, in February, January. But uh, um, Can't unsee that. Got it. All right. But uh, no, I mean, it's about teaming. So whether it's Ted who runs the Altis business or or is it our CEO for the Altus or, you know, um, uh, TC who's doing our SDM business or Callen who's doing the Argus X business and Justin who's doing our um, GHW cap management business. I mean, ultimately, we, we could not do these if we were not, if we did not have uh, 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 operating officers in each of the business units and team that could really execute on this. Got it. All right. Am I am I a really important part? Yes. Am I the whole ball wax? Absolutely not. Got it. Fair. Super fair.
1: Dan, how can people find you? Get a hold of you, get in touch, and ask you questions.
2: Uh give you a bag of money. Whatever. Find me at altusinc.co. Altusinc.co. Easy enough.
1: Super. Well, I appreciate you being on the show, Dan.
2: Thank you very much for the opportunity.
1: This is, you know, it's funny because I've known you for years and I had no idea. All that you have going on, yeah.
2: <laughs> it's kind of funny.
1: That's a it's, lot of. Fun. It's interesting because um, I don't know past few years, pandemic wise, and all that jazz. It removed people from being in touch and just bumping into each other, right?
2: Yes. Well, don't I'm bump. Stay six feet. All
1: that kind of stuff. I'm don't see people. Always up
2: for a cocktail, and I shake hands.
1: Fair. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Likewise. Cool. I appreciate you being on the show, Dan. Thank you. This has been Authentic Business Adventures, the business program that brings you the struggle, stories, and triumphs and successes of business owners across the land. We're locally underwritten by the Bank of Sun Prairie. If you're listening or watching this on the web, if you could do us a huge favor, you know what to do. The thumbs up thing, that's a good thing. Comment, better thing, subscribe. Heavenly, heavenly man. My name is James Kademan, and Authentic Business Adventures is brought to you by Calls On Call, offering call answering and receptionist services for service businesses across the country. On the web at callsoncall.com, and of course, the Bold Business Book, a book for the entrepreneur in all of us, available wherever fine books are sold. We'd like to thank you, our wonderful listeners, as well as our guest Dan Guerra, the owner. (laughs) It's so funny because you just went through the list, but I'll just say CEO of STM Central. We also had Argus Ventures. What else you got in there? There's a whole Argus, list.
2: Argus X, Altus, and uh, GHW Capital Management.
1: All right. I love how you had to pause too. So let's just be <laughs> lots of stuff. <laughs> Tell us that website one more
2: time. Uh, AltusInc.co.
1: AltusInc.co. Perfect. Say that one more time.
2: Co. Got it. Perfect. Thank you so much. Past episodes can
1: be found morning, noon, and night. Podcast site fun at drawincustomers.com. Thank you for listening. We will see you next week. I want you to stay awesome. And if you do nothing else, enjoy your business.